Let's go, girls. From the WIA News Hub in Queensland and WIA News Studios across Australia, this is the National News Service, relayed by VK1 WIA. March 9 it is, Graham VK4BB it is, and WIA National News it sure is. OK, welcome to Oz, NL8F. NL8F has told the Ohio Pen DX newsletter he was heading down to VK4 and was due here last Thursday, March 6. Fraser Island, just for a few days, active as NL8, stroke VK4. He'll then go on to Norfolk to be active as VK9NF if the paperwork's done on time, and if not, he'll sign VK9N, stroke NL8F, between March 15 through to the 22nd. Then he'll head to Christmas Island, be active as T32TM March 25 through April 2, which will include his participation in the CQ Worldwide WPX SSB contest March 29 to 30. QSL via K8NA for all of the listed NL8F operations. ACMA in the fast lane and the Australian Communications and Media Authority field staff are now at Albert Park late for the Australian Formula One Grand Prix. Planning begins many months in advance when applications start to arrive for hundreds of extra frequency allocations from organisers, media and logistics support. The ACMA has the job of ensuring that everything runs smoothly throughout the week. Locally produced, nationally voiced, globally heard. We are VK1 WIA. WIA, board talk and will you be part of the expo? The PR for Amateur Radio Expo, supported by the Wireless Institute of Australia, is just a month away, early April. This expo is backed by the WIA and an excellent opportunity for participating radio clubs to promote modern amateur radio and how it fits into the community. Time is running out for clubs and organisations to register for this big promotional event. Regular reminders have been emailed directly to the clubs, put on the WIA website and included on this weekly VK1WIA broadcast. How will it work? Well, the clubs arrange an open event to showcase what modern amateur radio has to offer. Joining these expo stations on air is any radio amateur who can engage with the display station. The aims are to showcase amateur radio, make the community aware we exist Recruit a few or revived lapsed radio amateurs. Now, what can you do? Immediately check with your club to see if it's involved and join the PR for Amateur Radio Expo as an individual, if not. Held on April 11, 12 and 13, it gives flexibility for clubs to hold their event on the Friday, Saturday or Sunday or all three days. For more details, please check out wia.org.au PR for Amateur Radio Expo. Who listens to radio? K4M. BK4F KDB. K3, Mike Juliet Radio. BK2, BRB. BK2, BK4Zulu Delta and BK4 Kilo Yankee Lemma. Hams across Australia it is. Divisional elections in VK2. The annual general meeting of the Wireless Institute of Australia, New South Wales Division, trading as Amateur Radio New South Wales, will be held on Saturday the 3rd of May 2014. At this AGM, a new council is to be appointed. Nominations are now open for those members who wish to be on the council for the year 2014 and 2015. Nomination forms are available from the divisional office and or download from arnsw.org.au. But make a note, nominations close midday Saturday the 22nd of March 2014.
Yurunga Convention, this long-running annual event, is scheduled to be held again over Easter on the mid-north coast of VK2 in Yurunga. And VK7, ICOM Field Day, save the date, March 15, 10am, The Domain. The REAST Committee are excited to announce that ICOM, along with REAST, will be conducting a field day on the 15th of March. The company will be bringing with them a wide and varied range of amateur communication gear for what will be a very hands-on, hands-on field day of their wares. What use is an F-call? As I've said in the past, a foundation licence is an introduction into amateur radio, the first step on a path to a hobby that can take you places you never knew about. Your newly minted licence opens the door to exploration, curiosity and education. It's a licence to learn. For some reason, I don't recall what prompted it, I became interested in finding out a little more about how Voyager communicates with us here on Earth. That led me down a rabbit hole filled with amateurs aiming to replicate the feat, and on the way I bumped into something called the Unified S-Band, the communications system developed for the Apollo program by NASA and the JPL. It consists of carriers, subcarriers, and a whole lot of interesting stuff, including being able to determine the distance to the spacecraft within 15 metres. I'm not going into the detail of it here, look it up on the net at Wikipedia. It's a fascinating read and serves as a jump-off point to even more reading. Phase-locked loops, quindar tones, voice and data bandwidth, and much more. Today we're pushing bits around the airwaves, locally and internationally. We experiment with weak signal propagation, or WSPR, and at home we have access to GPS and Wi-Fi. All these things are related to radio in more or lesser degree. Your F-call is just lifting the curtain on the potential. Next time you consider the limitations of your F-call, think about the possibilities instead. I'm Ono, Victor Kilo 6, Foxtrot, Lima, Alpha, Bravo. International News, I'm Jason, VK2LAW. Sackville, New Brunswick residents to lose landmark radio transmission towers. The skyline at the border between Nova Scotia and New Brunswick is losing some of its height. The international radio transmission towers that have been a fixture on the Tantramar Marsh for decades are being demolished, a lost landmark to people who live in the area. Radio Canada International erected the towers in Sackville during the Second World War due to its location, which is far enough away from the Earth's magnetic pole and a former salt marsh, which means nothing interferes with the signal. Some of the towers have been at the site since the late 1930s, but recent budget cuts and a shift towards the internet have made the towers and shortwave transmission technology unsustainable. The teardown is expected to take a few months. Radiotoday.com.au say Apple have revealed CarPlay, an inbuilt system designed to allow drivers to use their iPhones more effectively while driving. CarPlay will be built into the car dash, with Siri activated by pushing and holding a button on the steering wheel, allowing the user to control maps, make calls and access music collections. CarPlay will also support third-party streaming services and digital radio. Space Systems Engineering 101 this is a new massive open online course from NASA and the Sailor Foundation launched March the 3rd. The six-week general audience course is free to the public and provides a unique opportunity to learn from and alongside NASA's engineers. Students who participate can earn a free certificate. The course will feature lectures from NASA scientists and engineers and Google Plus Hangouts with NASA personnel. 
Winners of an optional project competition will receive a chance to tour NASA's Goddard Space Flight Centre. DOD releases entire electromagnetic spectrum strategy. The United States Department of Defence has released its complete 2013 electromagnetic spectrum strategy. This to increase available spectrum in order to meet growing demand from the commercial wireless industry. The release follows the release of a memorandum issued in 2010 by President Obama titled Unleashing the Wireless Broadband Revolution. In it, the Department of Defence is required to make available 500 megahertz of spectrum for commercial use by 2020. It should be noted that a good number of amateur UHF and microwave spectrum allocations are shared with the Department of Defence, but at this point in time it's not known what impact, if any, the release of the required 500 megahertz could have on the future of ham radio operations. Radio and the Hubble Space Telescope make possible weather forecast for alien planet. Radio communications and an orbiting telescope have made it possible for astronomers to provide a kind of weather forecast for an alien planet. Amateur Radio Newsline Cheryl Lassick, K9BIK, is here with the details. Astronomers from the Department of Astronomy and Astrophysics at the University of Chicago have actually been able to characterize the atmosphere of an Earth-class planet orbiting another star. The team of researchers, led by Laura Kreidberg, and Jacob Bean, detected clear evidence of clouds in the atmosphere of planet GJ1214b from data collected with the Hubble Space Telescope and radioed back to Earth. The Hubble observations used 96 hours of telescope time, spread over 11 months. This was the largest Hubble program ever devoted to studying a single exoplanet. The researchers described their work as an important milestone on the road to identifying potentially habitable Earth-like planets beyond our solar system. For the Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Cheryl Essek, K9BIK, not far from Chicago in Zion, Illinois. Believe it or not, this story from our Weird and Wonderful file. Yes, weird and wonderful. Do salmon travel magnetic lines of force? And finally from me this week, a possible answer to the question of how young salmon with no migratory experience somehow voyage through vast ocean waters to wind up at specific feeding grounds that are hundreds or even thousands of miles from where they were hatched, and all without using APRS. It turns out they may be following magnetic lines of force. Amateur Radio Newsline's Heather Emby, KB3TZD, may have the answer. Researchers have long suspected that many animals that travel great distances upwind to particular spots visited by their ancestors may be able to sense the Earth's magnetic fields. The ability has since been found in a variety of animals, including certain migratory birds. Even more remarkable is that many creatures seem to use it to navigate with no previous experience, like the Chinook salmon. To figure out whether this species of salmon are also born with this ability, a research team led by Oregon State University tested the abilities of young Chinook salmon that were less than one year old and hadn't yet started their seaward journey. To accomplish this, the researchers placed young fish in barrels surrounded with coils of wire and exposed them to a simulation of a northern magnetic field. In response, the salmon turned south-southwest. Conversely, when they exposed them to a simulation of a southern magnetic field, the salmon turned north-northeast. 
For the Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Heather Emby, KB3TZD in Berwick, Pennsylvania. From the WIA News Hub in Queensland and WIA News Studios across Australia, this is the National News Service, relayed by VK1WIA. Operational News on Felix VK4FUQ, Dateline 2014. With St Paddy's Day on the horizon, a new St Patrick's Day award is announced. Many radio amateurs celebrate St Patrick's Day on the air. This year, a new St Patrick's Day award will be starting, which a group of Northern Ireland radio amateurs are hoping to organise annually on the 17th of March from 12am to 12pm. WIA Remembrance Day, the ID contest August 16 and 17. WIA VK Harry Angel Memorial Sprint, May 3. WIA John Moyle Field Day next weekend, March 15 and 16. Good morning, this is Dennis, VK4AE, WIA Coordinator for the John Moyle Memorial Field Day 2014. This year the contest will occur over the weekend of Saturday the 15th to Sunday the 16th of March 2014. The duration of the contest will be from UTC 0100 on the Saturday to 0059 on the Sunday. Now is the time to complete your planning for the field day as there is only one week left to go before the event. During the remaining days before the field day, you might like to finish checking that all the equipment you have planned to use during the field day actually works when set up. Not a bad idea is to plan to have backup equipment available for the main items of equipment if this is at all possible. Further, have you checked all those batteries you plan to use? Are they actually holding the charge they're supposed to for long enough for the duration of the contest? Of course, if you intend to use a solar panel to charge your batteries, remember that much of the contest is in the night, so the batteries have to last long enough for that reason. If you're planning on using a small generator for your station, it might be a great time to give it a service and clean out all those spider webs, dust and dirt and wasp nests that have built up over time. Do not forget the fuel for the generator and also the long lead to allow it to be placed a bit further away to cut down on the noise. You must make sure everything is in order and operating and all the little bits and pieces that are needed to put your station on the airwaves are in the required place. Nothing is worse than to arrive at your chosen spot only to find that you've forgotten to pack some piece of equipment or accessory required to make some piece of gear work. Make sure that the location you have chosen is still accessible after this summer's onslaught from bushfire and flood and the roads into the place have not been closed. Also make sure that the trees that were so useful to string aerials and tent ropes in the past are still in good condition and safe to be around. It might just be a good idea to make a short visit to your selected site to ensure that all will be well on the day. So much for that aspect of your preparation. There is still time to download the latest version of the free program VK Contest Logging, available from Mike VK3AWV's website, where you can check you have the latest version. Last year, a number of people used an older version of the program and deprived themselves of a significant number of points that had been allowed under a later rule change. Contest log checking system noted the error so it was able to be easily rectified by the operators concerned. So it is well worth the effort to make sure you have the latest version. 
Submitting the field day log this year is not optional. If you work any station more than five times during the field day, you must submit a log to verify those contacts. This applies if you intend to operate either portable or as a home station. Best of luck to all in the field day and I look forward to working a few of you on the day and most of all receiving your log entry after the event. Thank you. Thanks, Dennis. Now, the Amateur Union of Serbia has written to us, and I quote, To Wildlife Institute of Australia, dear sirs, We invite members of your society to participate in Tesla Memorial HF Contest, which will be held this weekend, March 8 and 9, 2014, 18 hours UTC and ending at 0800 hours UTC. The competition is open to operators all over the globe. General rules are, Everyone works everyone on 80 mirror band only CW. Points are distance between stations. Full rules, read the text edition of your own WA News this week. Maritime Radio Day 2014. April 14th to April 15th. The Maritime Radio Day is held annually to remember the nearly 90 years of wireless service for seafarers. Since its beginning in 1900, Maritime radio was in use mainly until the end of 1998. The MRD is open to all amateur radio stations. As with everything you hear on WIA National News, further details are available in our text edition, wia.org.au. Moroccan Mobile Op Operators Leo PD0HFP and France PA5CA will be travelling through the Moroccan Desert and the Atlas Mountain Range in a 4x4 Jeep Wrangler next month between April 5 and 20. They plan to be active as CN2CA using 80 to 6 metres. QSL via PA9M by the Bureau. International Marconi Day is listed as April 26. Hornsby and District Amateur Radio Club will operate VK2IMD on that day. For VK1 WIA National News, I'm Felix VK4FUQ in Ingham. As I leave you this week, a very important reminder from VK4VP. Don't forget that the Australian Travellers Net provides a great service for amateurs travelling around our nation, but it won't last if everything is left up to a few diehards that provide net control and relay operator functions to pass traffic. Please help this great net by contacting Noel VK4NL and offering to get involved. For net times and frequencies and contact details, go to the WIA website, click on For Members, scroll down to Reference Info, then Amateur Radio Nets, and finally click The Travellers Net. Across Australia from VK1 WIA, you're tuned to the WIA National News Service. In Toowoomba, it can be heard on VK4 RDD on 14675 MHz at 9am on Sunday morning. I'm Dave, VK4 LED. Intruder Watch, radio interference with a twist. The National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration helps alert the New York area to severe weather, natural disasters or even a terrorist attack by broadcasting warnings. But the regular messages are blocking the international maritime distress frequency used by the US Coast Guard. The trouble began when a tornado warning interrupted chatter on Channel 16 VHF. No one has been harmed so far, but the worrying potential of a tragedy has government agencies trying to find a fix and fix it fast. From 
the WIA News Hub in Melbourne and WIA News Studios across Australia, this is the National News Service, relayed via VK1 WIA. I'm Brian, VK3GR, with this week's Worldwide Special Interest Group's news, beginning with Final Frontier and the launch of 200 437 MHz satellites. The largest ever launch of 437 MHz satellites is planned for March 16 at 0841 UTC when 200 Sprite satellites will be launched from the SpaceX Falcon 9 CRS-3 mission. A Sprite is a tiny 3.5 by 3.5 centimetre single-board spacecraft that was developed by Zach Manchester, KD2BHC. It has a microcontroller, radio and solar cells, and is capable of carrying single-chip sensors such as thermometers, magnetometers, gyroscopes and accelerometers. The 200 Sprites are carried in a 3U CubeSat called KickSat. They're stacked atop a spring-loaded pusher and secured by a nichrome burn wire system. On reaching orbit, KickSat will perform a detumble maneuver and establish communication with Cornell University's ground station. After checkout, the spacecraft will be put in a sun-pointing attitude and spun up to maintain that attitude. A command signal from the ground station will then trigger the deployment and the sprites will be released as free-flying spacecraft. All sprites operate on a single frequency of 437.240 MHz and use code division multiple access. The KickSat CubeSat has downlinks on 437.505 and 2401 to 2436.2 MHz. Worldwide Special Interest Group's ATV, where every pixel tells a story. And we told you to expect it, now it's here. TX Factor comes to the web. The United Kingdom's first television show dedicated entirely to amateur radio has been launched on the internet. The half-hour show is produced by a group of broadcast professionals who are themselves radio amateurs. TX Factor is shot in full high definition. Over the coming months and years, the show hopes to explore all aspects of our fascinating hobby and is free to watch at txfactor.co.uk. Worldwide Special Interest Group's Digital, D-Star's D-Tip of the Month. By Glenn, VE4GWN, writing in the Newscaster, the official publication of the Winnipeg Amateur Radio Club in Canada. Although simply keying up on D-Star transmits our call signs, please remember to voice your call sign and intentions when controlling the D-Star system, such as when linking or unlinking repeaters and reflectors, as you would on an analog system. This will let those monitoring and not looking directly at their screens know which call signs controlling the D-Star system and which reflector or repeater is being linked to or unlinked from. Also, please remember to ask if this system is in use before unlinking from a reflector or repeater. The IC7700 firmware upgrade has been announced by ICOM for this base station transceiver. The upgrade will provide the same additional features as made available to its big brother transceiver, the IC7800. The new firmware will be available for download from the ICOM website during March. Worldwide Special Interest Groups, ILLW, get set for the International Lighthouse and Lightship Weekend. Australia's on course for another very successful weekend in August with 35 registrations so far, including a lightship moored at Brisbane. Around the coast, VK3 is in the lead with 11 registrations, VK4 has 8, VK7 on 5, VK2 and 6 tied on 3, and in VK5 there's 2 registered. Cape Todd Lighthouse, popular last year as the VK8GM at Alice Springs, is also ready for the Todd River Regatta.
In Queensland, the Bunya Mountains and District Amateur Club has registered the Carpentaria Number no. 2, a light vessel, at the Queensland Maritime Museum. The club will be issuing a special QSL card for this. Identical riveted steel acetylene-powered barge-mounted lights were built in Sydney in 1917. They served as ship navigation in the Gulf of Carpentaria. The label of Carpentaria stuck even when later stationed in Victoria's Bass Strait oil fields. The sister Carpentaria No. 4 lightship at Sydney's Darling Harbour was in last year's event. Plan now to join in and register a maritime beacon online for August the 16th and 17th weekend by visiting the dedicated website www.illw.net. To Worldwide Special Interest Group's Rescue Radio, Weissen, New South Wales has been asked to provide communication support for the Bushwalkers Wilderness Rescue Squad's operational exercise, an OPEX, at Winbandale Nature Reserve, 35 kilometres northeast of Bathurst, on the weekend of the 22nd and 23rd of March. Special Interest Group's Summits on the Air. Guy Hamblin, N7UN, has been recognised for his work in helping to establish the popular Summits on the Air scheme in the US. He was selected by the soda management team for his outstanding work in helping make the scheme available to US hams. That's all from me this week. Brian VK3GR signing off. Across Australia from VK1WIA, you're tuned to the WIA National News Service. From Brisbane, it's relayed on 3605 kHz and 147 MHz at 7.30pm Mondays. I'm Bruce, VK4EHT. Now, we haven't done this for a while on the audio section. It's time for the social scene 2014. March 23 in VK3 is the EMDRC White Elephant Sale at 10am. March 28 to 30 in VK4, the Bunya Mountains and District AMCOM Camp at Somerset Dam. April 13 to 15, right across VK, it's PR for Amateur Radio Expo. April 18, worldwide, it's Amateur Radio Day, your gateway to wireless communications. April 25 in VK3, Anzac Day event at Ballarat Showgrounds. May 2 to 4 in VK4, it's the Clareview Gathering. May 10 in VK4, it's Barkfest at the Salvation Army Hall, Callumvale. May 16 to 18 in VK4, it's the WIA Conference, presented by SCARC. November 2nd in VK5, it's Hamfest, Adelaide Hills Amateur Radio Society. And November 30 in VK3, Spark Hamfest, at Rosebud. This is VK1 WIA. All points of contacts from today's news stories are to be found in print when you read the web editions www.wia.org.au. As we wrap up WIA National News this week, it's time for a little bit of feedback. This is Peter VK4EA, President of the Redcliffe and Districts Radio Club. A follow up from a news item from last week's news. Rick VK4HF president of the Armadale and Districts Radio Club and myself wish to clarify the situation with the Armadale 2 metre and 70 centimetre repeaters. The VK2 RAD repeaters were donated by Danny VK4KI being the former VK4 ROG repeater system originally constructed by the now defunct Radio Experimenters Group. Credit is due to Arnold VK4SU and Rick for founding the REG and to Arnold for building the REG repeater system which was subsequently taken over by Danny when the REG closed. Danny kindly responded to Rick's inquiries which were passed on by myself when Rick started casting about for a repeater system to help reinvigorate the Armadale Club. 
and as a result, Danny and myself travelled to Armadale in August 2013 to deliver the rack and assist with the installation. A short video of the install was taken. Check the text edition for the YouTube link. The 2 meter repeater was switched on August 3rd, 2013 and has given uninterrupted service to the Amateur community ever since. Then, in early 2014, I assisted Rick with the installation of technical upgrades to the 2 meter repeater for Echolink, which has increased the repeater usage and effectiveness manyfold. Rick is now hosting the Echolink computer interface and internet connection at his motel in Armadale. The repeaters were donated to the Armadale Club, so let's be clear, the repeaters are 100% owned by the Armadale Club and were never the property of the Redcliffe Club. More credit is due to Rick for building the Armadale Club up and due to Rick's membership drive efforts in 12 short months, the club now has 23 paid up members, which is not bad going at all considering there are 51 licenses and 100 kilometre radius of Armadale. The Redcliffe Club's connection is Rick served as president for a number of years and as a life member and is still a regular visitor to the Redcliffe Clubhouse when he's taking a break from his motel in Armadale. In the late 80s, early 90s, Rick as president took the membership of Redcliffe Club from 30 to 120 members and it's still as strong as ever. Rick also cited the Redcliffe and Districts Radio Club 270cm repeaters as his primary and property some 23 years ago where they are cited to, to this day. And Rick has never asked for any site rental or payment contributions for power to run the repeaters over that time. And for that, the Redcliffe Club are extremely grateful. In 1993, Rick VK4HF was presented with a Distinguished Service Award by the WIAQ for his contribution to Amateur Radio, a well-deserved award. We hope that clears up the situation, and we do sincerely apologise for any confusion. Cheers from Peter VK4EA, and also Rick VK4HF. In the nation's capital, with amateur radio news from across the globe, this has been the WIA National News Service. Local news and callbacks follow on most affiliates. We'd appreciate you checking in. VK1WIA. We've reported. You decide.